You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Hey, a huge thank you. While I was in California this week, uh, I left on Wednesday. It was a lot of pressure because there was still a lot that needed to be done that was not done. And I was getting these pictures from uh, Lydia. She was just sending me all these pictures of you guys just walking around everywhere, fixing everything up. And the one that especially just moved my heart was you all gathered in a prayer circle praying over this launch. So. Uh, we are now here, we have made it, and it is not because of me, that is because of all of you. That is because we as a body have continued to stay committed to one another through thick and thin, finding ourselves here today. So, I love you guys, and uh, I'm excited to see what the next story God has for us. Is. Hey, we're going to spend some time in Luke for a while. Uh, not like I'm going to preach forever today, but like we're going to be in Luke for the next while here. So we're going to get right into the beginning here. It's going to feel a little Christmassy, but not quite because we're focused on Zechariah more than we are on um, Jesus' birth. Um, but I think there's a, a good message in here for, for us today that uh, maybe be inspiring in our time. So if you don't know, before the story of Jesus is a story of John the Baptist being born. And it's a pretty crazy story. I mean, you read stories in the Bible all the time and they seem strange but, like, that's pretty commonplace throughout this, so it doesn't always jar you, you know? But if you were to stop and consider yourself in the same exact situation that Zechariah finds himself in, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that'd be weird. You know, like, that's, that's not normal. So, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statuses of the Lord. They had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Look, there's a lot going on as I keep reading this, so I'm going to just keep pausing to kind of prick your mind a little bit to hear what's going on. So, just to restate, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statuses of the Lord. That's got overtones from the Old Testament. Noah walking blamelessly before God, before a moment of judgment and redemption comes. That's got statuses connected to Abraham, who walked in all the laws of God, even though the laws didn't seem to quite exist yet. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. This might jar you, but sometimes good things come from stories of barrenness in the Bible. Oftentimes, Good things come from stories of barrenness in the Bible. In this case, we should be thinking immediately of people like Abraham and Sarah, who could not have a child in their old age, but then did, which gave rise to the entire people of God. We should be thinking of Hannah, who could not have a child, but wept at God's altar. And then she did, giving rise to the prophets of God. The stories go on. We're being set up by the Bible. Hey, remember other people who walk righteously and blamelessly? Remember other people who were barren? Think about it. Where are we headed? Now, while he was serving as a priest before God in the division, and his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. 
For us these days, when we talk about drawing lots, like we're just thinking, of, yeah, choose a straw. Whoever gets the shortest one's got to go, which is kind of what it is. But in Bible times, lots was often like a way of divination. Like, who does God want to go in there? Remember, this is basically how we end up with the replacement for Judas. They could have just waited a week for the Holy Spirit to tell them. But instead, like, let's draw lots, right? But they draw lots here. So there's these overtones of Jonah and other stories, like people who were chosen by God for something. Zechariah is not pulling the short straw by accident. God is up to something in this particular case. So he's chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. All right, how many of y'all have seen an angel before? So it's not that common, right? Like, if you see it, it'd be weird. We see it a lot in the Bible, I get it, but like, we know from experience, not super normal. So Zechariah is now looking at an angel. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. There are many times throughout the Old Testament where people that are important to the story, an angel shows up, and you're about to have a kid. Here's what you're going to name him. You don't always get a choice, apparently. You shall call his name John. We're being set up to know that this one's going to be an important one in the story. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And you must not drink wine or strong drink. What does that sound like? Familiar story? Samson, anointed with the power of the Spirit to judge Israel and to lead them into faithfulness. <laughs> the worst judge of all time. He did horribly. It did not work out for him. If you've read the story, it wasn't great. wasn't great. I don't understand why in like the last five years there was a movie released like, yeah, let's just give Macho Samson, show the world how great we are. Like, That's like our bad story, you guys. Like, maybe don't zoom in on that one. You know? <laughs> uh, but here's, here's uh, this new judge rising up, taking on the Nazarite vow not to touch wine or drink. And he, in this case, is rising up full with the Holy Spirit. You must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Even from his mother's womb. Look, the Holy Spirit at this point in history, he's always there, but he's actually not always commonly found inside people. That was a, a movement that Joel prophesied that would come with Christians, where the Holy Spirit would be found in all of us. Before that, the Holy Spirit was usually upon prophets and kings and big name leaders throughout biblical history. But John goes above and beyond. He's already been anointed with the Holy Spirit as a prophet before he even comes out kicking, right? And uh, he will even turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a Lord, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now we're throwing in bits of Elijah. Remember why Elijah is such a big deal in New Testament times? Because he never died. So people kind of thought, like, he'll probably be back at some point. He'll just come back down out of heaven. So people are waiting for Elijah. 
Sometimes they thought maybe Jesus was him. But Jesus tells us, no, John was playing the Elijah part. Not that he was Elisha reincarnate, but he was a figure of Elijah, carrying that mantle of Elijah to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. John is, since Elijah was kind of like the big name prophet of the Old Testament when it came to signs and wonders and things like that, John is now taking on that mantle to be the the new kind of uh, big, big name prophet in the New Testament. And he's going to go on, the angel says, to fulfill a bunch of prophecies. We've been waiting. Israel has been waiting to get out of the mess that they are in for the Messiah to come and save them. And they're, they're stuck. They're waiting for the remnant that is left of them who still want to follow God, for God to come back and save them. And, and then they follow him. And here's an angel appearing to, to uh, Zechariah saying, it's coming. The prophecy is coming. And my friend, it starts with you and your wife in your belly. Well, not his belly. That'd be a real miracle, huh? Okay. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know all this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. This is a priest, by the way, who should know the stories of the Old Testament pretty well. I mean, it's all sounding very familiar here. Uh, what, the, what the angel, first off, you're looking at an angel. That's a pretty good start to believe, right? But then secondly, the angel has just brought up so many allusions to what they were waiting for God to do. And so many allusions to all of these other stories. And Zechariah's just like, how can that be? Has an old person ever had a baby before? Do you even know your story, Zechariah? <laughs> and the angel answered him, Yo, I'm Gabriel. Uh, I mean, look, there's only two angels in our entire canon that are named. And this is one of them. It wasn't just dealing with like a messenger. I mean, that's what angel means. But like, this is like a messenger. messenger. This, is, this is one of the big ones. I'm Gabriel. And that should have perked Zechariah's ears up. You remember me? I met with Daniel. Whenever Jesus needed me to explain something to someone, I would show up and be like, yo, here's the end times. Let me explain it to you. That's who you're talking to right now. This isn't just like a mere angel. We're looking at like an archangel here. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people waiting for Zechariah, and uh, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. He's in there at a time, like, you go too far into this place, you might die because it's super holy. Zechariah's been in there a while. What's going on? He's just supposed to light the incense and get out. He comes out, and he's mute. He can't speak. Everybody's like, what? what? What's this then? Right? Like, why? <laughs> what happened in there? And so they're all gesturing to him. They're trying to figure out, like, explain what's going on. Why can't you talk? Which, you know, grab a pen and paper, I guess. There's a lot to write down here. But then the story comes true. Zechariah and his wife get pregnant and have a baby. And the Elijah of the New Testament, the prophet of prophets in the New Testament, other than Jesus, is born. And now the prophetic words of the Old Testament are put in motion. This time that we've been waiting for, for God to come back for the remnant. 
It's happening right now. I want to zoom in a little bit on Zachariah's faith because in many ways we feel kind of bad, right? I mean, like, you got to go mute for nine months, like, to, to kind of learn your lesson here. And, like, was Gabriel just a little extra compared to the other angels or something? Because, like, in the Old Testament, sometimes people push God on their faith levels. Like, Gideon, look, God, I'll, I'll follow you, but, like, I'm going to put a blanket out. I'm like, there's dew in the morning everywhere except on this blanket. You know, then I'll get the point. Then you're, then you're really telling me to do this. God's like, all right. He wakes up, the blanket is dry, the ground is wet, and he's like, and there's got to be some scientific coincidences to have this might happen. <laughs> Let's see, how do, how do I go about this? And so he goes about pushing God again on it. Like, he, he wants an extra supernatural confirmation on what's going on here. So we feel a little bad that Zechariah is just like, how's that going to happen? I'm old. And Gabriel's just having a bad day. He's like, do you know how long it took me to get down here? And now you have the guts to tell me how could this be? And Zechariah then goes mute. Have you had times where God leaves you stuck in faith? Where you want that other sign and it doesn't come up? Did you just spend two years in that? been there and sometimes I have to step back and say God has actually said enough I'm just not listening so for example I need someone with the Bible someone with the Bible to look something up for me Joel's on it good Joel John 14 30 look that up for me here's an example I have been uh, working with God on a project on the side and he has Never said more to me in my life than he has on this project. I mean, I'm talking like above and beyond supernatural words that whenever I even try to explain them to people, they just kind of think I'm psychotic. And I probably look that way, I get it, but like God has just been up to some crazy stuff. I've seen the Holy Spirit at work. And he's been crystal clear with me about what he needs me to do and how he needs me to go about it. Like to the point of literally vocally saying it right in front of me. And and as he says it, like, I still am like, but how do I do that? <laughs> but what am I supposed to do? Well, I just told you what to do, you know? So, like, I was in my car last week sitting there, racking my brain, saying over and over again, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? God, you've got to give me a word. You've got to tell me something. Come on, I've been working on this real hard. Don't leave me hanging. Say something. Say something. And the verse John 14, 30 comes to my mind. Joel, would you mind the first, just the first part of it? I will not say much more to you. There you go. That's it. <laughs> God, you got to give me a word. All right. John 14, 30. Okay. What is it? I will not say any more to you. Red letters, by the way. <laughs> it's like, huh. Okay. Okay. Cool. My heart broke at first, and I was like, all right, well, I get it. <laughs> he has already told me what to do, and he said it a lot. So I will not say any more to you, Jamin. I've said enough on this issue. You know what to do. Do it. And so here I am, and one of the things that he kind of told me to do is, you've got to do some of this without coming to me all the time. You need to do a lot of this out of your own 
effort and your own mind. Obviously, he's there guiding me and whatnot, but I can't fully get into the story, but he's, he wants me to, to sort this out without coming to him with every minute detail. I will not talk too much more, Jamin. Thanks, Dad. But he doesn't have to. He's already told me more in that situation than in any other situation in my life. He's been crystal clear. And so often, like, we want the, like, turning points, like, every way, like the GPS directions. And I've heard some supernatural stories where that happens. There's a guy over in, I think it's India, Ravi. No, is that his name? That's not his name. I don't remember his name. But over in India, um, like, he wakes up every morning and... God had anointed him when he was a kid to hear his voice very clearly. And every day, God's like, here's what you're going to do today. And they talk about how he'll be walking and kind of get like GPS signals. Like, all right, when you get to the bridge, turn left. <laughs> what? And they do. And they'll arrive at villages and they'll share the gospel and people will come to salvation. Like, that's cool and all. But sometimes God leaves us in faith. I mean, that's generally what we call Christianity. It's a faith. And it's not blind faith. It's not to the point that, like, we have no evidence. Paul himself, like, we ask the question oftentimes, what, what happens to people who don't, who've never heard about Jesus? Paul's answer to that was, oh, everybody's already been told. <laughs> You're talking about Paul. The verse he quotes is one that says the heavens have already declared it. The stars, the heavenly hosts, which in ancient times, the stars were spiritual beings. Heaven was up there, earth was down there, stars moved around, they must be sentient, must be alive. So the heavenly hosts, when they move around, they must be communicating something. I think Paul was riffing off the Christmas story. Oh, everybody already knows about Jesus. I mean, you just had to look up. There was a weird phenomenon going on. Remember that star of Bethlehem? Everyone's already heard. Now, that's a little different for us because we weren't around at that time to catch the star and all of that. But for Jesus, or for Paul, Paul understood, like, there's, there's faith out there that we need to hang on to. But at the same time, everybody's already been given some proof. And maybe you sense that proof, too. I mean, often for me, it's like, I just got to walk through a forest. And I'm just like, wow, this leaf is so crazy. God's real. <laughs> maybe it's not that simple for you. But, like, sometimes I just get caught up in the complexity of nature. And, and that takes me to... To understand how great God is. We always think that, you know, people just believe if you give them all the evidence, but that's actually not the way the Bible paints it. People will believe if the Holy Spirit invites them to believe as the message is being preached to them. The way that the Bible paints it um, is that just complete evidence, like that's actually not enough to turn people to Jesus. Remember that weird folk story Jesus talks about Abraham's bosom? Good, good times, good times. No, Jamin, we don't remember Abraham's bosom. Oh, let me tell you about Abraham's bosom. Your children are going to go home saying the word bosom a lot. After this. Uh, there's that story where um, Lazarus, a guy named Lazarus, has kind of been Hades. He's in the underworld, and he's like, Hey, Abraham, over there in the nice part of, of the afterlife, could you just go, like, tell all my family, like, I don't want them to come down here to Hades. Could you just, like, you know, I don't know, raise the dead, send them? If, if you just raise the dead and send them, the dead will show up and be like, hey, y'all. Hades is real. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what they would say exactly. But 
You follow Jesus. He's real. Follow, follow him. You don't want to come down here. And Jesus' response uh, through this parable is like, that's not enough. Look, all the law, all the prophets already told people. It already told people. And if that's not enough for them, they're not going to believe even if the dead are raised. Well, that's the story the Bible gives us. The dead do get raised after Jesus dies on the cross. The dead get raised and walk around town. It's like a sci-fi show that we have today, right? This is like five of these same shows. Come on, people, be unique. Uh, but like, we have these stories. Will that be enough to convince people? Jesus' answer is no. Have you ever met someone like that? Where you're with them and you're like, you have all the evidence of the truth. It is crystal clear. It has been said to you over and over and over again. It's right here. All you got to do is believe it. Yeah, no, I don't believe that. How is that possible? (laughs) Maybe you've had that in your own life. I want to believe God loves me, but everything that I know tells me he doesn't. No, no, no. All the evidence. Let me tell you the stories of your life. Let me tell you the scripture. Let me tell you all these things. Do you see? God loves you. Yeah, no. I don't think so. There's sometimes a density in us that we just can't get through. And it doesn't matter how crazy the supernatural things are. It doesn't matter if the blankets stay dry. Sometimes it's like, huh, weird coincidence. Oh, the dead are raised. Well, that's a strange coincidence. Probably zombies, science, I don't know, something. Supernatural is not the answer to faith. It is just a component that comes about when God steps into the way in which science usually works. So here we are right now in our current story. Uh, If you don't know uh, some of it, I'll just give you the cliff notes. Earlier this summer, we said we got to change. We got to figure out what God's doing because this dinner church thing, we've been trying to get a catch back on. It's not working. Let's switch. And so we started praying over the summer. That became our service as we just got together and we prayed. During this time, we got a very surreal word that uh, God was giving 1208 cherry blossoms, which is a sign of renewal in all cultures. And uh, with that, he also gave us the word to repent to make space for new gifts. So we spent a few of our services repenting, and we spent uh, that time really pressing into, hey, we don't see the renewal. We don't see people showing up to church, but let's believe and push forward in faith that God is speaking to us as he clearly has. And during that time, some more things happened that continued to push us forward. They weren't like every week, but they were becoming more and more normal. To the point that even last night, someone here had a dream. They were sharing it with us earlier that they were stuck somewhere for three hours, which is exactly how long this service is. And it was just like freaking out. Like, what are we supposed to do? How can we take care of everything? And just kind of having like a full paranoia during that time. And then this full, uh, this kind of like uh, feeling from God, like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Am I summarizing that well enough? Yeah. Okay, so the last word that I really felt God put on my heart, and I'll kind of close out with this, is it was like seven or eight years ago. I mean, you've all probably, if you've been here for a while, you've heard this story many times. But I was preaching, and we had a student here who uh, came up to me after service. He's like, hey, I didn't hear your message. He's like, great, thank you for sharing that. 
Uh, it's because while you were preaching, I was having this vision of sorts where you were in like a meat shop and it was bloody and it was sweaty and gross and, and nothing was pleasant. You know, you're not really working with your hands. You're just chopping meat. It's horrible. But God was inviting you to a bakery across the street to go in there where it smells nice and it looks nice and it's pleasant and, and uh, you work with your hands and people appreciate the kind of things that, that you're doing. Okay, that's a good word. If that's the kind of thing that, that God is calling 1208 to, like a, this kind of like abundant life kind of ministry, like, ah, I'm all for that. That's a great word. Thanks for not listening to my message. That was way better than anything I had to say, I'm sure. And then I sit in that for like six months it's not feeling super abundant life. It's not feeling super pleasant. Doesn't smell great in here still like a bakery, right? Uh, but uh, I continue to just kind of be uh, open to that. When someone six months later, a different student comes up to me. We have lunch together. He's like, I just want to tell you, I had this vision of you in a bakery. And I was like, oh, yeah, just stop right there. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't remember the rest because I stopped them too early. But like that right there, I was like, that, that can't just be coincidence, you know? And then uh, this past week, actually, my buddy Carl here at Nerd Church kind of re-brought this dream up to my attention. I hadn't been thinking of it recently. and gave me some other ways to kind of think through some of those themes. Like, oh, yeah, it's an interesting way to think about it. I hadn't quite thought of it in those routes. Anyways, uh, yesterday, right before we launched this, um, I ran into someone, and they just came up to me like, you smell like a bakery. <laughs> and I was like, I, I smelled myself everywhere. Yes, I did not smell like a bakery. I had been on a plane to California all day. Uh, check my deodorant. Didn't smell very frosting-like. Y'all can check if you want. Come on up. We'll have a line later. That was gross. I'm sorry I said that. Um, but like, and that, that was piercing in that moment. You smell like a bakery. I did not, I promise you. And I immediately, like, I know it just, so you could look at that and be like, it's just coincidence. Like, the blanket is, it's probably science. But I knew the Spirit was speaking to my heart in that moment. Jamin, you're entering into that phase. Your church and the cherry blossoms, you're entering into that phase. And I get it. We don't always see it. We have to walk on faith. When we started dinner church, that was the word someone gave me. Jamin, you need to have the faith of the guy who beat the giants. Well, why don't you tell me what to do instead? Because faith is kind of abstract and vague. <laughs> no, you just got to walk forward in faith. Great. Thanks. We're not walking blind here. Like Zechariah, we've got lots of proof behind us. I know it's going to be kind of like a slow entry into what God's doing. I didn't expect we'd open the doors today and voila, bakery. But I believe after 11 years of 1208 Greenwood of us working hard to tell God we love him and we're not going to give up. We want in Jackson as it is in heaven, in our neighborhood, I think words that have long passed, words that I thought, ah, maybe we messed up somewhere and now it's been taken away. Uh, God's got a good memory. Uh, brings those kinds of things back to our attention. 
So let's continue to walk forward with the Holy Spirit, see where he's guiding us, see what he does, continue to do everything that we can to bring heaven to Jackson. That's that's the goal of, of the Christian life. To follow Jesus and allow him to install his kingdom among us. So as we continue to walk forward in that faith, um, I know we're a little over, but we're technically still here till noon. So I'm going to do one more song. It's the ocean song to kind of keep us thinking of faith as we move forward in that. I want you to give your heart over to Jesus in this time. How can you be walking forward in faith here at 1208 in this time? What does that bakery look like in your life, in your ministry? What are the ways in which you are going to volunteer with what we're doing that's going to bring heaven to Jackson in new and robust ways. Let's not get to the point where God speaks something or is like, eh, that sounds kind of weird. I don't think that's possible. He's done crazier things here before, and I'm excited to see what he's up to next. Likewise, this isn't like a, um, a commercial right at the end, but one of the other words that we got uh, was about our reveal conference coming up. Just this real um, tangible word that uh, God's presence is going to be uh, really showing up in a, a really manifest way. I'm excited for that. I think that's going to be a pivotal part in the story of who we are and who are, we are becoming. So I hope you'll join us for that if you haven't signed up yet. And uh, yeah, let's take a few minutes to close out in the song as you give your hearts to God. Would you stand with us?